0: This is a WTOP original podcast
1: from podcast one coming up in this episode of Target USA. This is COVID conspiracy, foreign disinformation driving American vaccine resistance. Part four. COVID vaccines, a secret disinformation campaign. They wanted me to share wrong information about Pfizer. It started online, but flyers ended up on doorsteps. It said it causes sterility. Traced back to Russian intelligence. Russian agents
0: working on U.S. soil.
1: Millions of Americans gobbled it up, a nightmare for U.S. healthcare officials. Time-consuming and exhausting. I'm J.J. Green. Join me for the COVID Conspiracy Crossover event, a joint presentation of the Target USA podcast and the Colors podcast featuring the National Football League Players Association, Dr. Anthony Fauci, former FBI and CIA personnel, social media influencers, COVID Conspiracy. We connect the dots between foreign disinformation campaigns and Americans' refusal to get COVID-19 vaccines. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm JJ Green. As we conclude this series of podcasts looking into COVID 19 disinformation, we talk to perhaps the preeminent and certainly the most well known authority in the U.S. on COVID 19, Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He gives us some guidance on how to talk to people who refuse to get vaccinated. There's been a lot of bad information that's been circulating about COVID-19. Recently, some flyers were circulated with some questionable information. So I want to ask you about a couple of those items. But first, I want to ask you what your advice is for dealing with all of the misinformation and disinformation being propagated from multiple sources, from social media to even up to sitting U.S. senators.
0: Yeah, and it's not an easy uh, encounter to be able to overcome that, Uh, but the thing that we try to do, and it's it's time-consuming and exhausting because the multiplying effect of disinformation in social media is so profound that the thing I find the most effective is the best way to counter disinformation and misinformation is to provide in an orderly manner by multiple reliable sources correct information. I think if you just throw up your hands and say, oh, it's just so crazy, nobody is going to listen to that, you're, you're going to lose that fight because the people who are propagating the disinformation seem to have nothing else to do hmm. but promote disinformation. Whereas the people with the correct information kind of have day jobs <laughs> and it's very, very tough to devote such a substantial amount of time uh, to try and counter every single bit of disinformation. So it's almost as if the, 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 the untruth uh, spreaders are the ones that have a lot of time to amplify that through their social media networks. So we try as best as we can To give science based information uh, to keep up with the pace of the misinformation. But that's not an easy thing to do when you have a lot of other very important things you need to do with yourself.
1: Yeah. Some of the questions uh, that I want to ask you about some of this misinformation, just a couple of things that you can push back on this, on them. Um, There's one, there's a flyer that was circulated in Prince George's County, a suburb of Washington. Thousands and thousands of people got these flyers. In it, it said that the vaccine can make you sterile.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, patently obviously wrong (laughs) and the reason it's wrong is that the vaccine has been given to hundreds of millions of people and there has been no even slight indication that it has anything to do with sterility either on the part of the male or the part of the female none zero Mm -hmm. so that's something that's just pulled out of the air and i know that's the case because that's when i get on um, outreach, Instagrams, and, and I even do things like TikTok to get to younger people. That is the most common question that's asked. Dr. Fauci, we trust you. Please let us know, is it true that the vaccines caused sterility? Uh, and and it, 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 I, I'm astounded how often, which means that that disinformation uh, effort is really having an impact. And that's so unfortunate because it's preventing people from accepting an implementation that we know is Mm life-saving. Two more brief
1: questions before I throw it to Dr. Gina Bazemore for her couple of quick questions. Um, DNA, the vaccine will change my DNA.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, mechanistically, there's no way of doing that. You know, it's a messenger RNA that codes for a particular protein it can't get into your DNA. Uh, and so even though it's, pre, it, it's, a, it's a, you know, obviously preposterous kind of assertion, mechanistically, molecularly, it, it just can't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and the, the problem is uh, JJ and, 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 and it's understandable. You cannot expect a normal man and woman in the street who's, An intelligent person who just is not um, Mm fluent in the arena of molecular biology and DNA and RNA and transcription and things like that. So if you try to explain it to them, um, you can have someone who has complete falsities and complete inaccuracies that could sound in some respects as as credible as somebody else. It's false equivalency, you Mm -hmm. know. I don't understand the field, but uh, person X says this and person Y says that. So I don't have any idea who's correct. So you immediately go to the thing that scares you the most Is well. Maybe it does get into my DNA Mm -hmm. when there's no mechanistic way that it would. See, that's the issue.
1: Okay. Booster shots. When would they be available and who should get them?
0: Well, there are two elements to boost the shots. I mean, the first has to do with people who are immune compromised. Those people, as a group, have not reached a point of adequate protection from the standard regimen of vaccination, which let's take as a prototypic example, mRNA. So if you got the Moderna, you would get a prime, And then 28 days later, you would get the second shot, which is referred to as the boost. That's why they call it prime boost. Mm. The question Mm -hmm. is, do you need another boost to, to, to to enable you to get an adequate response? A normal, healthy person would get a very, very good response against the prime and the second one, which is referred to as a boost. The questions people ask is how long... Does that protection last? So it's a question of what's the durability of that protection? And would you have to give them another boost six months, eight months, a year, a year and a half later? We're collecting that data right now in order to be making a decision of if and when and to whom should get that extra boost. However, what's happening yesterday and today is a different story. It's the question of what about a person who's immune compromised, cancer chemotherapy, transplant patients, people who are on immunosuppressive regimens for autoimmune diseases. What about them? It is more imminent that they absolutely need an additional shot now because their regimen that they got, even though it made other people who were immune normal, do very well they never reached a level of protection and that's the reason why we're going to hear about very soon like literally imminently directions of how to get those immune compromised people their next boost which for them if it were a mrna it would be a third boot it would be a third shot because they really need it it isn't a question of the durability of their response It's a question of the original adequacy of their response. All
1: right, now let me throw it over to Dr. Bazemore for her couple of questions.
2: Thank you, JJ. Uh, So Dr. Fauci, you were uh, talking about misinformation and that's something that I can definitely relate to. Working in healthcare, I and my colleagues, we really struggle with how to deal with vaccine misinformation. And at this point, the vast majority of those who are hospitalized with COVID are unvaccinated. Uh, And and interestingly, we do see a disparity in vaccination rates amongst uh, race and ethnicity in the US with uh, American um, Indians uh, having the highest rates of vaccination, Black non-Hispanics having the lowest rates of vaccination, and white non-Hispanics being somewhere in the middle. Can you talk a little bit about what has been learned about approaching misinformation in various communities, and what strategies may have been successful in changing hearts and minds for those who are still
0: Hesitant? Yeah, I mean, the way to approach it, Gina, is you have to realize that there is a, a rather broad spectrum of reasons why people are hesitant. You know, often, uh, I mean, for example, w- we've worked very hard when uh, the African American community has had hesitancy that goes back to the, the extraordinary, uh, shameful situation Uh, of the Tuskegee experiments, that gets handed down from generation to generation. The overwhelming majority of the African Americans who who bring that up weren't even born at the time of Tuskegee, but they have a really valid question about the federal government and the history of the federal government. So rather than just poo-poo their concerns. You've got to respect it and then go through with real good information about the ethical constraints that have been put into place, the data and safety monitoring boards, the institutional review boards that would make a Tuskegee-like approach impossible in today's world. Then you try and get them answers to their valid questions like, you did this too quickly, So there must be cutting corners, it's not safe. Then you go through the fact that it isn't that we did it in 11 months, that we got to where we were by two decades of really very elegant basic and clinical research. So respect the concern, and then answer the questions in an adequate way so that it isn't as if you're poo-pooing or not paying adequate attention. The other thing uh, that you need to do um, is to get trusted messengers to talk to them. And that was one of the successes of the Native American high level of vaccination. Because we, I, I know I did, but I'm not the only one, spent a lot of time with the tribal leaders, the people in Indian country who are respected by the elders. You get down, you sit down with them, or you do it with Zoom, and you answer every single one of their questions. Because the people in Indian country, the younger people, they would much, much more respect the people who over their entire civilization have respected their elders, rather than somebody unfamiliar like me, a white guy in a suit. <laughs> you know, if you go back in the history of the, 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 um, the real um, offenses against um, Native Americans, it's been white guys in suits <laughs> who have lied to them. So you really got to, I mean, that's what we mean by by trusted messengers. So each individual group, Gina, that you mentioned, you've got to understand where they're coming from, Uh, and respect the validity of some of their concerns and then try to get the right information. Having said that, there is something else we're facing in this country which is really rather unique, and that is an inherent aversion or refusal to even consider any of the things that we're talking about based purely on ideology, uh, which is something that is in many respects, astounding in that you're dealing with a life-saving intervention. And you look at the map and you see the extraordinary disparity between red states and blue states. And people, I mean, they they do that map. They show uh, of the states that voted for Trump, they are the ones, for the most part, that are under-vaccinated. And for the states that voted for Biden, those are the ones that have a good... um, a contingent of vaccination in the sense of relative percentage there's absolutely no place for that at all i mean this is a public health crisis not an ideological game that we're playing that's the problem
2: Mm -hmm. i hear you uh it does there does seem to be a divide uh politically and it's important to recognize someone's free will in making the decision around a vaccine and and As you mentioned, it's not just about uh, sharing facts and trying to dispel the myths, but it's more around developing relationships and understanding the community and uh, really reaching the the community where they are. Um, I do have another question for you. So uh, the US, we have surpassed the threshold of having 70% of the population receiving at least one dose of the vaccine. And I think that this is a tremendous accomplishment. However, Our our threshold for herd immunity is expected to require, and I hear up to 90% of vaccination, and the virus is mutating. And and we're seeing this now with the Delta and the Lambda variants. What do you see in the future for vaccine development? Can we expect that the need for vaccines in the future includes multiple strains of the virus, similar to what we see now with the influenza vaccine? And will we continue to see a need for revaccinating year after year?
0: Well, the one thing that we've, first of all, it is a moving target, Gene, and we've got to be humble and modest that we don't know all the answers. But one of the things that's critical is that um, this virus, uh, when you look at the efficacy of the vaccine, the vaccine, interestingly, even against Delta, is doing exactly what you want it to do. It's preventing you from getting seriously ill, going to the hospital and dying, given the extraordinary capability of Delta to transmit, what it's doing is that you have the capability of it spreading so easily that even when you get a so-called breakthrough infection of someone who's vaccinated, gets infected, they may have no symptoms or minimal symptoms. The fact is, you see that they have enough virus in the nasopharynx, they don't get sick hardly ever. I mean, there's always biological variability. You're always going to get some people, no matter what, they're going to get sick. But for the most part, they don't get seriously ill, but they're capable of transmitting it to others. And that's really the issue, which means that when you have a high degree of transmissibility, you've got to get a very, very high proportion of the population vaccinated. That's why with measles, the, the threshold of herd immunity is over 90%. We saw that when it goes down below into the 80s, that you see the outbreaks that we saw a couple of years ago in the New York Hasidic Jewish community, because they got down into the 80s and the 70s. So we're going to need a very, very high level of vaccination. And then I think if we do, I don't necessarily believe, though I have to keep an open mind, that we're going to need continued boosting each year. We may need, as a standard, correct way, a prime, a boost, and then maybe six or so months later, a third shot that could keep you going for years. You know, we did a prime and a boost because it was an emergent situation. It was a prime followed in 21 to 28 days by a boost. When you look at it, that might not ultimately be the absolute correct regimen. The correct regimen may actually be that you need a prime, 28 days later a boost, and maybe six or so months later to really nail it down. And you know... That that's exactly what we do with hepatitis, and we mm-hmm. do that with other vaccinations. This idea that you just need two may not necessarily be absolutely correct, but we had no way of knowing that because we were dealing with a completely new virus.
1: We appreciate your time and what you said, as always, Dr. Fauci. Big fans of yours, and thank you so much for your work.
0: JJ, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Keep it up, and Gina, very nice to meet you.
2: Very nice to meet you. Thank you for all you do.
0: All right, right. take care.
1: Thanks a lot. As I've said before, disinformation is based on a lie. Plain and simple. The National Counterintelligence and Security Center says disinformation is false or inaccurate information that is spread deliberately, most often by adversaries. While adversaries are the genesis of most disinformation, when it comes to the unprecedented explosion of COVID-19 vaccine disinformation, you are most likely to get it from your best friend, spouse, parents, or even a trusted coworker. The reason, according to NCSC logic, is that it includes technically factual information, purposely presented in a misleading way that may include amplification by a bot or other inauthentic account. These counterfeit entities turn information into weapons. It is not a new concept, but some of the tools used to do it are. Recognizing them and neutralizing them is going to be a difficult proposition, but stopping the flow of COVID-19 disinformation in the U.S. most likely can't be achieved without understanding that there is a fundamental connection between lies being spread by foreign entities abroad and the lies being spread here in the U.S. by people we know. That's it for this episode and the conclusion of COVID conspiracy. Coming up in our next episode. When when I think when I think of China and, and to have an unclassified discussion about it, I think of, I think of it as a, a three-stranded cable. That's Lieutenant General Scott Barrier, Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. We sat down for a wide-ranging discussion about threats to the U.S. and China emerged as number one. And that three-stranded cable he mentioned. The first strand is Xi Jinping, China's president. The second, his Belt Road Initiative. And the third is their military buildup. And he says it's all held together by a sheath.
0: That sheath
1: represents the, the largest theft of intellectual property in the history of mankind. I will say that again for emphasis. The sheath represents the largest theft of intellectual property in the history of mankind. That and much, much more are a part of a truly insightful interview with Lieutenant General Scott Barrier, Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. If you have any questions or comments about this program, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. And we also ask that you subscribe to our podcast, if you will. And if you will, follow us on Twitter. We're at Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security information, you can find it in my newsletter. It comes out every Thursday, and you can sign up for it at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this... Is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey guys, Jay Cutler started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL, some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, trending topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life, former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler. Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.